Good morning. And yes, you're stuck with me this morning, I'm afraid. Just come from the West property out there. Boy, what a work that's going on out there. Praise the Lord for that. And uh, it's so good to be here. Happy Father's Day, all you fathers, all you dads out there this morning. I have to start out by telling a little bit about my dad, of course. Uh, my dad passed away in uh, 1979. He's in the arms of Jesus now. And uh, what a guy he was. He was a hard worker and provided for his family, made sure we, and we were in church every time the doors were open. And uh, he was a, a man that uh, taught me a lot of things. He taught me how to fish. That's important. And uh, he taught me how to fix things. And he was a man that liked to give a lot of advice. He uh, only had an eighth grade ed education, but he still was a very wise man. He, he knew a lot. And I listened to him, and I wanted to please my father. So I, I tried to take his advice and, and take it to heart. And I remember one time I wanted to go to work. I was 12 years old, and I thought it was, it was time to go to work. I'd loaf long enough. And so uh, I got a job as a paper boy. And uh, it was about 140 customers of about 10 blocks. And it was spring and summer, and I thought, man, this is a piece of cake. It's not bad at all. You collect on Saturday. You had to get up about 4.30 on Sunday morning to make sure you had all the papers out before Sunday school started because there was no excuse for missing Sunday school unless it was your death. And then you had to give Dad advance notice of that. But uh, so uh, it was good. It was summer. It was a good job. I thought, I've done the right thing. I have no intention of quitting. He said, if you start a job, son, don't quit. So I wasn't going to quit. I wanted to please my father. I did that uh, on into the fall. I had to go back to school, of course, and had homework to do. And uh, my sister can tell you I wasn't too great on homework, so I passed papers. And, uh, and, uh, but you know what? I was uh, not ready for winter. Winter came. And then all of a sudden, man, it started to get icy and snowy in Ohio. It does that sometimes. And you ever get up at 4.30 on Sunday morning with ice and snow on the ground and pass papers and then make it to church? I thought, boy, do I want to quit. I wanted to quit so bad. But I had promised my father, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to stay the course. And so I, I persevered. I, I stayed the course. I didn't quit. I made it through winter and, and uh, until something better came along, I think, for about three years. And then I retired from that job. I took early retirement at 16. And, uh, and then I got a job at a service station. And at the service station... It was God's will because there was a young lady that drove in in the back seat of a friend's car, and I was putting oil in a car, and I raised up, and, and, and I saw that smile over there, and she's sitting over here today. So that was, that was God's will. I, I don't know if it was the fact that I hit my head on the, the top of the hood when I raised up or that smile, but one got me, and it, and it stuck. So we're going to talk about not quitting. You ever have days you just want to quit? You just want to throw in the towel? It seems like everything's going wrong in your life, and, and you just, I just quit. And we have days like that. I read a story one time about this bricklayer. He had a job uh, putting a parapet wall on the top of a six-story building. And uh, he was finished with the job, so uh, he had a multitude of accidents trying to get the 500 pounds of bricks that was left over off the top of that building. The boss came to him and said, you've had so much happen to you. In one accident, you're going to have to explain to me what happened. He said, well, boss, I was 
didn't want to carry those 500 ricks down by hand, so he said, I was going to put them in a barrel and rig up a, a pulley and rope assembly and, and just kind of tie that rope off at the ground floor and swing that barrel over the side, 500-pound barrel, and, and then I was going to gently lower the 500-pound barrel down, and, and that's what I intended to do. So he said, I, I did that. It was going good. I, I put the 500-pound brick in a barrel, and I moved it over the side of the building. I went down to the ground floor, and he said, if you'll notice block number three of the accident report, that I weigh 135 pounds. And, and so he said, I untied the rope, and, and all of a sudden I was jerked off the ground, and, and I lost my presence of mind. I forgot to let go of the rope. I met the 500-pound barrel of bricks coming down at about the third floor, and he said, that accounts for my broken uh, left shoulder and my left collarbone. He said, I started again up the side of the building, didn't slow me down much, and I didn't stop until the two fingers of my left hand were wedged into the pulley at the top of the building. That accounts for my two broken left fingers. At the same time, the 500-pound barrel brick hit the ground, and the bottom fell out of the barrel, and the barrel now weighed 50 pounds. He said, if you'll check block three again, the accident report, I weigh 135 pounds. I started down again the side of the building. I hooked, hit the empty barrel coming up. That accounts for my broken left foot and left ankle. He said, I hit the ground. I landed in a pile of brick that, pile of brick that accounts for my broken tailbone. I lost my presence of mind again, and I let go of the rope. He said, that empty barrel came down on top of my head. That accounts for my broken skull bone. Bad things happen in life, don't they? You get up in the morning, you don't know how things are going to end. You don't, you don't know what to expect. Sometimes trouble comes in bunches, and bad things happens to good people a lot of times. So we're going to look at the life of Joseph this morning over in, in Genesis chapter. Uh, we'll start at 39 and drop back to 37 and dwell in that area just a little bit. Because Joseph had his share of bad days. In fact... Uh, I think it's in Genesis 39, 20, where it says Joseph's master threw him in a prison. Not only did he throw him in a prison, it was a prison where the king's prisoners were kept. In other words, it was where the bad apples of all of Israel were kept, the worst of the worst, and that's where he was thrown into, was in that prison. You could probably write on Joseph's tombstone for most of his life, that good guys finish last. That was the way a lot of Joseph's life went. And a very important point, all these things that happened to Joseph was not because he was doing anything wrong. Quite the contrary, he was doing everything right. Peter Marshall once said, it is a fact of Christian experience that our Christian life is a series of valleys and peaks. And in order to have a permanent, more permanent hold on our soul, God gives us Christians more valleys than he does peaks. We need to learn that way, don't we? So we don't quit, so we don't give up. It's interesting about Joseph, and very commendable, but through all this and all these things that happened to Joseph, down in the pit and in the prison, all these bad things, he never gave up on God. He kept praising God. He kept glorifying God. Not once did he want to quit. Not once did he want to throw in the towel. There's some things I think that we can learn from Joseph. 
I think we can get into this scripture and find out just exactly what his secret was. Some of you know it already. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves. First thing that Joseph did in, in order to stay the course and not give up and not to quit, Joseph stood on the promises of God. God gave him two specific promises through dreams. Two dreams. You can find them in Genesis 37, 5 through 11. He said, now Joseph had a dream. He told it to his brothers, and they hated, hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. Indeed, your sheaf stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for the dreams, for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told to his, to his father and to his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Two promises you can get out of that. God promised him that he would be exalted over the sheaves and he would be lifted or exalted over the stars. What does that represent? It represents that someday that he was going to be the prime minister of that land. He was going to be a ruler. He was going to be over all the resources in Egypt. And so I believe that when Joseph was in this prison and he was going through the bad times in his life, some of the same kind of things that we go through sometimes from day to day, he relied on the promises of God. He remembered those promises that God gave him in those dreams. And he relied on those promises. Joseph kept on praising God. You know, Joseph didn't dwell on his problems. He stood on the promises, didn't he? And sometimes when our days get dark and our nights get dreary and it seems like there's nowhere else to turn, we don't need to be laying around sitting on our premises. We need to be standing on the promises of God. I believe if the old song would have been written back in those days that... Uh, Joseph would have been singing, standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Are you standing on his promises this morning? When life gets rough, when it, it deals you a kind of a hard blow, do you stand on the promises of God? Adoniram Judson, the great missionary to Burma, was uh, captured, put into the dungeon. His followers killed, his printing press destroyed. One of his captors came to him and says, huh, What's your future look like now, Judson? Judson replied, My future is as bright as the promises of God. I tell you, we've got some promises from God, don't we? Let me read just one. Proverbs says, Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked one when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. That's a good promise, isn't it? How about, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What a promise he gives us. What, what a promise when he says, All things work together for good to those that love the Lord, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's a great promise. I love this promise here. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. So where I am, 
there you may be also. You know what that tells me? That tells me that uh, someday he, he's going to come and going to break the eastern sky. He promised that. That's a promise from God. And, and he's coming down and I'm going up. Someday I'm going to walk on streets of gold. And someday I'm going to walk midst walls of jasper and through gates of pearl. And yes, someday, Dad, you and I are going to walk the streets of heaven together. Praise God for the promises of God. When life gets you down, when you want to quit, just trust in the promises of God. A God that does not lie. Amen? Does not lie. Trust in His promises. And he said some other things. We learned some other things here from Joseph this morning. He not only stood on the promises of God, he also relied on the wisdom of God as well. Joseph was thrown into a, a pit and forsaken by his own family. And he was thrown into prison, forsaken by so-called friends. But through it all, through it all, he didn't give up. And not for doing anything wrong, but for doing everything right. His brothers were jealous because of his dreams, so they threw him in a pit. Potiphar's wife didn't like the rejection that she received from him, so she lied and had him thrown into a prison, but he would not compromise. 1 Peter 2.20 reminds us, For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer for it, you take it patiently. That's commendable before God. Don't ever get the idea that just because... You see somebody going through rough times, it's because they're not doing things right in their life. It could be that's exactly what they're doing. They're doing everything right. Yet God's wanting to test their faith and God's wanting to teach them some things and mold them and to make them what He wants them to be. That's the way that God works. And again, it rains on the just and the unjust alike, doesn't it? I read a story about this preacher and this preacher had to go out of town, and he's coming back in. Nobody to pick him up at the airport, so he called his deacon. He said, would you pick me up at the airport? Deacon picked him up. The deacon looked at him. He had a sad face. He said, what's wrong? He said, well, while were you gone, we had a cyclone come through, down, come through town, and it, it tore my house down. It blew my house down. He told the deacon, he said, well, it's no wonder the way you've been living. You know, you, you deserve it. You've been doing some things wrong. It's, it's probably, it probably the right thing for it to blow your house down. The deacon looked at him. He said, well, I've got some more bad news. It blew your house down too, preacher. <laughs> so it rains on the unjust and the just alike, doesn't it? And so uh, sometimes life doesn't make sense. It, it, you know, it's tough to give to the offering when you've lost your job. It's tough to praise the Lord and shout glory and raise your hands and all those things. When that word cancer comes into your life or into your family's life and things go wrong, sometimes it is hard to make sense out of life. But just because we can't make sense out of things doesn't mean that God can't make sense out of things. You see, Joseph saw nothing but a prison at that time, but God could already look into the future and he saw a palace in Joseph's life. That's the difference. So Joseph looked back on his life in chapter 50, verse 20, when he was about to die and he was talking to his family, he said to him, But as for you, family, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about to this day and for this purpose, that many might be saved alive. God knows what he's doing. 
There's an old poet that said, when God wants to mold a man to make so great and bold a man, that all the world should be amazed, watch his methods, watch his ways, how he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects, how he hammers him and hurts him in every way, converts him into trial shapes of clay that only God understands, how he bends but never breaks when he's good he undertakes, how he uses whom he chooses and with his power infuses and every act induces him to try his splendor out. Folks, God knows what he's about. He knows what he's doing. We just need to trust his wisdom. Stand on his promises. Trust in his wisdom. Don't quit. Don't give up. There's a third thing we need to consider. We need to find peace in the presence of God. Find peace. If you look at chapter 39, when you get home, you can examine it. You'll find that in chapter 39, four times, it said the Lord was with him or the Lord was with Joseph. I submit to you that he was with him down in the pit. He was with Joseph before he ever fell and got thrown into the pit. He was, with the, he was with Joseph when he was thrown into prison. He was with Joseph when he became prime minister of Egypt. He was with Noah when Noah was building the ark. He was with Noah when Noah went into the ark. He was with Noah when the ark landed. He was with the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when he was in the fiery furnace. He, he was with Daniel when he was in the lion's den. He, he was with uh, the disciples when they were in the boat and scared of the storm. He was there. He was there all the time. And I'm telling you this morning that when you're going through the trials and tribulations of life, if you know him as your Savior, if you trust him, he's going to be right there with you too. And he's right here in this house right now. Trust and lean on the presence of God. Trust in his promises. Lean on his wisdom. But don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit on him until he calls you home to heaven someday. We have those wonderful promises from him. We might get lonely. Trust me, you're never alone. No matter how deep the water He's there. No matter how hot the fire, He's there. Isaiah 43, when you pass through waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers shall not overflow you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Well, what's the last point? Persevere. 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 Genesis, early I think on in 37, we find that when he was thrown into a pit, he was 17 years old. Joseph was 17. And if we look over in chapter 41, with verse 46, we find he was 30. If you do the math, he was in that prison for 13 years. Yet, he never did anything wrong. Well, why was he there? Because of jealous brothers, a lying woman, an ungrateful butler that could have got him out but didn't. Thirteen years he spent in that prison. But never do you find anywhere in Scripture where he complained about anything. Never do you find where he griped. When he, when he became out of that prison, he became prime minister. He had a chance to get even. He, he had a chance to get some revenge, but he never did that. He never said anything bad about these people. He never cast blame. He never got bitter. He never got angry. He just kept on praising the Lord, trusting Him. 
praising God. If you don't get anything else out of this whole sermon today, remember this about Joseph. Remember this. His commitment was not dependent on his circumstances. His commitment was not dependent on his circumstances. I'm going to ask you some key questions. First of all, is your commitment to God dependent on your circumstances? Do you do right only when things are going right, going your way, perfect in your life? Then you'll stay committed to God. Even more personal questions. What would it take today? What would it take for you to quit coming to church? What would it take for you to quit serving God? What would it take for you to quit praising God, using the gift that God gave you in ministry? What would it take? Someone said you can tell the size of a person's commitment by what it takes to stop him or her. And so that's a good question to ask ourselves today. What would it take indeed to stop us? If you'd have been in this story instead of Joseph, how would you have reacted? If you were in a pit for no reason, if you were in a prison for no reason, how would you have reacted in this situation? What would you have done? Would you have shook your fist in the face of God and got angry and bitter and said, God, if that's the best you can do for me, I quit. When problems come into your family, when that word cancer enters into your family, when money problems come, how do you respond? Do you say, God, if that's the best you can do for me, I quit. I'm not going to go to your church anymore. I'm not going to read your Bible anymore. You're not treating me right. God may have something far better for you. Just trust Him. Trust Him. Don't give up on God. Don't quit. Martin Luther, and I love some of his phrases that he used. He said, even if I knew tomorrow the world would fall to pieces, I would still plant my little apple tree and pay my debts. You know what he's saying? No matter what happens in my life, I'm going to go on living for God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to praise God until He calls me home to glory. And that's what He would want from each of us here this morning. No matter what happens, persevere. Stay in there. Stay the course. Because someone said, if you can't serve God in a prison, you're not fit to serve Him in a palace. So don't quit. Don't quit on God. Some years ago, I think it was about... Uh, Oh, I don't know, about 1972 or so. There was a plane that left New York City, Kennedy Airport, Eastern Flight 401. It was around December, and it was around holidays, and it was loaded with 200 and some holiday passengers getting ready to go to Miami for the Christmas holidays. Everybody probably happy, everybody carrying their gifts and getting ready to get with family and celebrate in the sunshine. They took off, and everything was fine. They approached uh, the outer marker at Miami Airport, coming in from the west over the Everglades. 
And they noticed that uh, in the cockpit crew noticed that the landing gear light wasn't coming on. They had done everything they needed to do, make the landing gear come down, but no light. So they didn't know if the landing gear was down and locked into place the way it was supposed to. So they flew around several times and several times, same indication, the little light. Finally, the whole cockpit crew was pecking on the light and, and trying, what is wrong with this little light? It won't come on. Unknowingly, they disengaged the autopilot. And before they knew it, that big L-1011 wide-body jet dropped into the Everglades. And 101 holiday passengers perished. Never saw Christmas that year. Over a 75-cent light bulb. Insignificant. What's the point of the story? Don't get so hung up on insignificant things in life that you lose the real purpose of being a Christian. See, being a Christian is about glorifying God and bringing people to His Son. That's our purpose here. That's why we have First Baptist. Whether it be here, whether it be on the property, whether it be in a warehouse, wherever. We're here to glorify God and bring people to His Son. Stay in the game. Stay focused. Don't quit. Stay committed. In closing, as the folks come up for our invitation time, I just want to read something to you, if I could. Some time ago, I, I read a, a statement of commitment from a black pastor in Africa. And he died, went on to glory. Don't know his name, it's unknown, but I, I read that statement of commitment over and over again when I came to Florida. And I thought, you know, that's something I would like to live up to. So I didn't plagiarize. I, I kind of took it and I just kind of changed the words a little bit. That's what you have to do. They don't call that plagiarizing. They call, call that uh, something else when you, when you don't do it word by word. But this is my commitment. This is what I would like to live up to. And maybe you can relate to this. The decision has been made. The die has been cast. I have stepped over to the line. I am a child of the king. I'm done with doubt and fear and worry and all those things like that. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be first. I don't have to be rewarded. I don't have to be recognized. I don't need popularity. I don't need position. I don't need prosperity. I don't need promotion. None of those things. I just want folks to labor in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to lean on His everlasting arms day by day. I want to live by faith. I want to be lifted moment by moment in prayer. You see, because my focus is set. My friends are going to heaven one by one. My gait is getting unsteady. My memory is starting to fail. The way is getting narrow. The road is getting rough. But my goal is heaven. And my God is still my God. My past has been redeemed. My presence makes sense. My future is secure. I won't be bought. I won't be compromised. I won't be delayed. I won't be uh, deluded. Or I won't be detoured. 
I won't give up. I won't back up. I won't slow up. I won't shut up until I've prayed up, until I've preached up, until I've praised up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I won't flinch, flinch in the face of failure, cringe in the presence of criticism. I won't meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't pander in the pool of popularity. I intend to labor till I drop, preach till there's nobody else to preach to, and work till he calls me home to a place called heaven and I meet him face to face. And when I meet him face to face, he'll have no trouble identifying me as one of his own because I am the child of the king and I don't intend to quit. And I hope that's you here this morning too. Don't quit. Don't give up. That's what my dad would have wanted. And I want to please my dad. But more importantly, I want to please my heavenly father as well. Amen? Let's all stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to give just a brief invitation. First of all, if you're here this morning, you don't know Christ as your Savior. What do you hope, dear brother, to gain by a further delay? There's danger, there's death in delay. You know what's so dangerous about putting off salvation? What's so dangerous is not the fact that preachers preach, well, you might go out here and get hit by a car. Yes, you might. But more importantly, the more you leave this place or any place where an invitation is given and say no, your heart becomes that much harder. And there'll come a time, there'll come a time when the window of opportunity for you to accept Christ will be closed forever because your heart's no longer receptive to the wooing of the Holy Spirit. So you, dear friend, I invite you to come. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. And that very second, you'll be his child. And you can start a life of commitment. For the rest of you, the rest of us that are saved, if there's ever been a time in your life, listen now, if there's ever been a time in your life when you've been closer to the Lord than you are this morning, then you need to be down here at this altar recommitting your life to Christ because you've slipped away from Him. You've slipped away. If there's ever a time you're closer than you are today, friend, you've slipped away. And you need to come and start again on a life of commitment. Father, we pray this morning for your will to be done in this time of invitation. The word has gone out. You said it won't return it to your void. So Lord, do what I can't do. Stir these hearts with the power of your Holy Spirit today. And may your name be glorified in this service. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.